All right. Well, welcome everybody and happy Monday morning to, to you. This is um, the Must Read Alaska show. Um, the date is August 1. It's the first day of August. It's pretty, looks like August out there. I got to tell you, the August rains are here in Anchorage and it uh, looks like across South Central Alaska. But we're um, welcome to the Must Read Alaska show coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. And I want to remind everybody that, that Must Read Alaska is a force for good. We try to do the right thing for Alaska every day, and we really appreciate you, our readers, our listeners. Um, we have thousands of listeners to this show all across the world, and I really appreciate everybody coming alongside us to, to do good, to do good in the world out there. And to please consider supporting Must Read Alaska by going to our website, mustreadalaska.com, and hitting that donate button. It really keeps this operation in the black, and that, that really helps us um, keep going year after year. We've been up and running since 2016 and, and John Quick, my co-host, has been, uh, he's the one who helped us launch this show and we've, we've done, John, what, over 215 uh, shows or how many have we done now? We've done about 215 shows and uh, we have about, I don't know, 160,000 downloads so far um, and we uh, are usually ranked in the top 200 on iTunes any given moment and uh depending on which uh, week it is we're also ranked in that's in the u.s we're also ranked in the top 200 on itunes in austria or uk or uh, various other uh countries over in that region which you know people are obsessed with alaska people are always asking me well how do you guys why are you guys so popular outside of alaska well flip on your tv and and notice how there's 12 different reality shows on at any given moment for Alaska and people are literally obsessed with Alaska. So we get folks from literally all over the globe just tuning in because it's Alaska and they want to hear what's going on in Alaska. Yeah, yeah. And this is like authentic Alaska. This is not tourism Alaska. This is not reality show. This is like how we how we even function. And we're just sort of up here in the last frontier, just struggling like everybody else in the world to try to figure out how to make the world work better. If you um, do not subscribe to the newsletter, head to the right side of mustreadalaska.com, click on that newsletter button, and then you get yourself on the list. And every uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we send out a newsletter that has the links to all the stories that you might have missed online. And we always have news in the newsletter that you won't find anywhere else in the world. Trust me. Thank you to Shoshana Gungerstein for, U for U.S. Senate for sponsoring our show. She is our show sponsor for this month. She is pro-responsible uh, resource development. She's opened up the Alaska oil fields. You can find out more about Shoshana Gungerstein for Senate at www.gungerstein.com. And that's spelled gun, like G-U-N-G-U-R-S-T-E-I-N.com. And yes, she is pro-Second Amendment. Well, well before uh, we get too far into the show, I want to make sure that people know we've got a, a special guest coming up with Charlie Pierce. But first, I want to hear from you, John, about what's going on in the center of the universe down there on the Kenai Peninsula, especially the uh, heartbeat of the universe, Nikiski. Well, uh, things are going well down here on the Kenai Peninsula. It seems to always be going pretty awesome. The uh, people are fishing on the Kenai, getting very excited about, um, you know, folks are dipping it and whatnot. So that's always a good sign. You know, I'm very excited about our special guest today because one of the best parts about the Kenai Peninsula is uh, Mayor Pierce kept the Kenai Peninsula borough open. He didn't he didn't force mask mandates down people's throats. He didn't uh, force other ridiculous business uh, side effects to happen because of COVID. His mantra was 
the peninsula is open for business. And he kept that mantra for the entire time of COVID. And he got a lot of flack from the left for it. Um, but he stuck to what he thought was right. And uh, the Kenai Peninsula is better for it. Um, you, you, uh, you have a lot of businesses that were able to uh, survive because of his pro-business, uh, pro-common sense choices. And uh, we're, we're better for it. Uh, on the Kenai than some other cities that were forced to lock down the whole time. So um, that's kind of my to do here on the peninsula this weekend is just being grateful that our special guest had the wherewithal to uh, put his money where his mouth is and, and uh, be a mayor that stuck up for freedom. I just want to mention that uh, uh, a little and add to that a little bit more before we bring Charlie in and Charlie's being very patient there waiting in the green room. But it is during the pandemic, uh, a lot of the the state the state was shut down. Various municipalities sh shut down. They shut down their governments. They shut down businesses. A lot of businesses never came back. Uh, people were traumatized. Children stayed out of school. Charlie Pierce said, "No, we're not doing that. We are open for business." And I I can't even tell you how many times I got in my car and I drove down to the Kenai just to get a taste of freedom during that, those two years of, of really awful lockdown policies here in Anchorage. Um, it just was uh, an escape for me. I just had to get away. And uh, really, uh, we'll always admire Charlie for that. And so without further ado, Charlie Pierce, welcome to the show. How's your mic sounding? Uh, good, good. I can hear both of you real well. Uh, good morning. Thank you for having me. And I appreciate the uh, compliments there. Well, yeah, and I was at a wonderful fundraiser for you down um, in Nikiski not too long ago, and it was a, it was a great fundraiser. You had a car show with a, I had no idea there were so many classic cars on the Kenai Peninsula. You guys are gun, you guys are gun nuts down there and and car nuts. I mean, you guys have some classic cars, and you auctioned off an AR fifteen, I think. And some other neat stuff, like a, some sort of a Vespa. And yeah, you, you, I mean, that was a really cool fundraiser out there um, right on the bluff. Couldn't believe that beautiful day that we had. Uh, wonderful barbecue and just, um, you know, you guys are living the dream down in the Kenai. Well, you know, first I, I want to say thank you to my friends that hosted that. And I, I consider them true friends, very close friends. And, and look what they did. I mean, very generous, very kind, opened their homes cooked an amazing meal, invited, uh, invited Alaska's finest to a, to a location where we could break bread and, and have conversation and, and uh, really um, show appreciation for many of the blessings that we have in living in Alaska. So I have great friends and uh, I have a beautiful, wonderful family and uh, I'm blessed. Yeah, yeah, it. yeah, you're blessed. And I always love coming down there and, and visiting. So, but now you're, uh, you're trying to take that message to the rest of the state, which is let's, let's live free. Let's, let's remember our roots. Let's remember what this country is founded on, on liberty, personal responsibility, freedom, and um, prosperity and, and uh, opportunity and, and striving. And you've done all that. You've really made that happen on the Kenai and and now you'd like to sort of take that to the rest of the state how's campaigning going for you well you know it's tiring it's we've been uh, really kind of beating the pavement you know it's a small grassroots effort truly we don't we're not seeing the contributions from 
the uh, special interest groups, you know, the, the hundreds of thousands of dollars that are being donated to a number of candidates. We're not seeing that. Obviously, we're not seeing it for a specific reason is because I've said I'm not interested in representing the special interest. I'm, re I'm really interested in uh, representing all Alaskans. And I don't believe for a moment that Alaska should be for rent. And I think we are in many aspects. There's lots of money that comes into the state that influences much of the decisions that are made behind closed doors, you know. But you think about it, the legislature is the one group that is exempted themselves from the Open Meetings Act. Isn't that rather interesting? You know, every, uh, every uh, other governing agency in the state, uh, whether it be a council, a city council, or an assembly, uh, 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 groups, they have, to, they have to abide by the Open Meetings Act. And what it does is it allows the governance and the decision-making to be done in the open, uh, open public, make it pub that makes it public. Well, you know, much of the work that gets done in Juneau, you know, they're in Juneau, they're, they're away from their constituents, they're kind of hidden on most good days. Most of us can't get there and are not there knocking on their doors. And so the rooms and the hallways are filled with lobbyists and filled with um, special interest, people that are specifically interested in and carrying their torch for their specific issue. And there's so many issues that get ignored in Alaska. And I think that Alaskans in general, the average person that lives in Alaska that's beating the pavement, getting up early, going to work and trying to make a living in Alaska is kind of forgotten. There's a few things that we grovel over and we argue over the BFD. You know, we argue for better jobs, better economy, better outcomes, you know. You look at our schools, we've taken Bible and prayer out of our schools. You look at how we've transitioned what we've become. And it's troubling. It's troubling from all indicators. You know, when you look down the tra tra uh, train tracks and what do you, I asked you to look at it and see what you think, what's coming at you, what's, what's next? What do we have next? And what I'd say, I come from a, a principle of that, number one, we're all adults first. We're individuals, we're adults first. And we're responsible for ourselves. We should be responsible for ourselves. I was the guy that said we're all essential. What I meant by that was, was there was a time where we were picking and choosing uh, the level of importance and decisions that were being made. And we were really kind of dissecting our, our local communities and putting everybody in a, sp a specific box. And I didn't like that because I think we're all essential and we should all, we all have something important to say and we should be heard. We should allow, be allowed to con to go up to a microphone in our local assembly chambers and, and be able to share our thoughts and our feelings about the world we're living in and not be heckled in the background or not be chastised or be threatened when you walk out the door. Yeah. Go to the Anchorage community chambers and, and listen to a meeting sometime. Oh, yeah. Think about, think about what's going on, what we've become as individuals. We have forgotten... We have truly forgotten and lost the ability to agree to disagree. And that, it, that saddens me that we, we take things so personal and personable. And, and you know, even in Juneau, when you look at the relationships that are there and you ask yourself why you see no results or you see the last 10 days of a legislative session where lawmakers scurry around the hall groveling and making deals to try to get something done so they can get out of session on time. And what I would like to see is the same level of energy and urgency applied throughout the entire session. 
So I have a lot of thoughts. Uh, the campaign's going really well. I'm listening to the voice of the people. What I hear from folks is they're concerned. Obviously, they're concerned about their local economy. They're concerned that they're having to pay five, six bucks a gallon for gas. They're worried about how they're going to heat their homes this winter, mm-hmm. worried about fuel, co- fuel oil costs. And they get a $600 dividend, a stimulus for energy and their, and their PFD, you know, and, and you've got the two groups that are so divided and can't even see the hurt and hearts that are on the streets mm-hmm. in Alaska. And they mm-hmm. ignore that. Mm-hmm. They ignore it daily. And they say, well, you know, you can't spend your PFD responsibly. So we're going to hold it back and make sure that when we give it to you, you'll be able to spend it on the right things. I, I don't get that. I don't see that. I, I, it troubles me that, that lawmakers will come to us and tell us, well, you just don't understand. I don't want so, another lawmaker. I don't want another lawmaker to come to me and tell me that I just don't understand. Because so, if you so, do- so Charlie, this winter, we're probably going to see um, a catastrophic situation for people. Mm, I would say anywhere from you know, Cantwell North up to Barrow and, and then in all the rural areas and in the interior where the cost of their heating fuel is going to so far outstrip their ability to pay for it that we may very well see um, people just walking away from their homes and hopefully they drain their pipes before they do so that they don't burst their pipes and destroy their homes. Uh, but that we may see people just walk away because if you have to pay $3,000 a month to keep your, your house warm, it's just not viable. You know, you're not going to be able to do it. And um, whoever's governor uh, starting December 1 is going to face this. This is going to be one of the biggest problems they face is that is they're going into the teeth of winter and they will have maybe villages that didn't even get in their fuel oil in time before the rivers froze. Um, or maybe people in Fairbanks who just say, I can't do it anymore. And they just leave the state because they're um, heating the homes. They don't have the money to even pay the bills. So they're not going to be able to heat the homes. Um, and this is not a trick question. I really don't know the answer to it myself. And if I were in the position of governor, I don't know what I would do. Um, how, do we, how do we face this kind of a problem this winter when we know that people are going to be suffering from these high fuel prices? We're going to have to put a lot of hearts and heads together in the legislature to figure out how we're going to resolve it. We've lost 18,000 people in Alaska since 2017, 2018. You know, COVID put a big, big turn on us. Where are the workers? I I heard from a a number of folks who said, you know, I'm running a a roofing company. I I I can't hire any labor force. So I can't do the jobs that I have. Can't hire any labor force. I mean, there's work. There seems to be jobs out there and, and, and worked a bit on, but yet you can't find the labor force to go out and actually perform the work. Alaska is a, a very challenging place to live. You know, if you don't have a viable job, a good 12 months a year job, and, and where you have predictability and certainty that you're going to be able to sustain yourself. It's tough. It's very tough. You got people working one and two and three jobs. Some mm-hmm. are doing that to make ends meet. You've got uh, you know, it's, it's all of the challenges that we have. I call them dots, right? I like to put it in the dot section and try to connect the dots. How do you connect all the dots and resolve all the problems? All the problems, all the heartache and all the hardship. 
but I like to focus on the good too. I like to keep in mind that we are blessed that we do have many, many good things going on as well. We could do better. We can clearly do better. And I guess that's what Edie Grunwald and I are proposing to do is, is just to try to make it better. You know, I, I think our, our foster kids, when I heard our foster kids are transferred from home to home and they just put their clothes in a garbage bag as they transfer them from home to home, our foster care programs and our, our, our children that are in homes that are challenging need to be, that issue is a big, big issue for me. It's a big heartfelt issue for me and it needs to be addressed. It needs to be addressed. There should be no trafficking of children in our state. That's going to be a real high priority, and it should have been a high priority for prior administrations. I have heard a, I have heard a lot. I'll let you talk in a minute, John. I've heard a lot about um, the foster care system in Alaska and some of the outrageous stories. And people sure. ask me to write about these stories a lot, sure. and I I don't have the capacity to do it. The stories are very involved and they're intricate, they are complicated. Uh, there's sometimes a lot of bad people on a lot of sides and sometimes there's no bad people on any side, but it's, yeah. um, you know, these are hard stories for me to write because they take a, a lot of emotional energy and time. But mm -hmm. um, I do know that I'm hearing from a lot of Alaskans that our foster care system is it is just absolutely broken so that is something that i would absolutely agree with you that needs to be addressed john you wanted to say something i'm sorry so uh mayor pierce last week i had senator mike showers on and he is big on um getting our our election system kind of shored up and better um he reminded me that i don't know a year ago or so that the Division of Elections had a major data breach of about 100,000 people's uh, social security numbers, you know, home addresses, basically everything you would need to open a credit card or, or, or turn, in, turn in an absentee ballot. What about the election is you and your team, uh, what would you do different? What, what would you come in and, and change? Do you think our election needs any? Uh, you know, standing up? Are you worried about election fraud? What, what, is you, what do you and your team stand for when it comes to that kind of stuff? Well, I don't think you should even ask the question. I think we all know that there's real serious problems with our uh, election processes. Um, ballots, extra ballots. I heard there's 130,000 more um, uh, ballots being mailed out than there are registered voters. Uh, what happens with those 130,000 ballots? Where are they going? They're going to addresses for folks that are no longer alive, no longer live here, that, um, you know, they've moved long since moved, you know, and, and uh, have left and, and, and we've never ever taken the initiative or had, had the time, I guess, to um, uh, purge the file. And, and I don't know the specifics as to how the file will be purged, but the file will be purged. Edie's gonna, that's the first priority that Edie takes on. Edie was on Michael Dukes this morning, did a great job of talking about this very issue as a, as a first, and, first and foremost priority for us as a, an administration. And it, it's not a matter of after four years asking us, you won't ask us why we didn't do anything. Well, you'll, you'll probably, I want, not probably, you'll thank us for actually fixing it, making it, making it better, making it more reliable, making it more, making more certainty in it that, that the, the machines that are being used are not going to be manipulated or can be programmed to cheat and uh, that we're going to have a, 
Uh, you know, we may even institute some hand counts to do verifications just to make sure certain that, that there is accuracy and thoroughness and trust. It's about building trust between uh, the folks that go into the ballot box and vote. You know, on the peninsula, John, I know you're well aware of it, that we, we were able to block vote by mail. We killed vote by mail on the peninsula and it took an initiative to actually do it. Our assembly would not let the people on the peninsula vote, put a vote by mail question on the ballot. And I'd like to revisit that statewide and look at the vote by mail and the constitutionality of it. And, and if we can eliminate a vote by mail op opportunity throughout the entire state would be my uh, um, desire to do just that and uh, get back to, you know, there's some things that that probably needed to be fixed and needed to change, but there was some, there was an old voting system that used to work real well. It was called, we walked into the uh, voting precincts that we lived in and we, there was a location set up and there was machines there. You were handed a ballot, you showed your ID, you signed a card to verify your signature and, and then you went in and you voted. And there was some trust built in that system. And uh, for convenience purposes and other arguments of, you know, we've heard all the arguments, well, you get better voter turnout. Well, you get more people voting and you know what, it'll just be quicker and easier and it's convenient, but the problem with convenience oftentimes allows for, uh, leaves loopholes that allow people to take advantage of the system. There are people that are honest and there are people that are dishonest. And I think that uh, what we're gonna do is make a, a priority, make it a very, very high priority, go and fix things. Edie's ready to get, get after that. And, and I think you'll be happy with the results as it as it carries out. Yeah, you guys, I just did the, the math on it. I. We've got um, 597,400 registered voters in the state. And according to the, the census, we have 733,000 and change people, which leaves us with, um, what, what this leaves us with is 136,000 people under the age of 18, supposedly, or felons who can't vote. Um, right. And so, you know, we know that we've got our, that the math isn't adding up. We have nearly, we, we have nearly 600,000 people registered to vote in Alaska. And like you said, uh, there's got to be ways. And Mike Shower, who was, uh, Senator Mike Shower, who was on our show, talked about all the databases that can be used to, that to legally purge the roles. And uh, I think that that is something that Edie needs to certainly drill into as uh, lieutenant governors. So I encourage that. Absolutely. I'm sure we'll have uh, shower support. We'll work <laughs> alongside showers and we'll make sure that we, uh, we push our changes and the fixes through the legislature. I think that uh, we'll try to garner up enough support to make sure that Alaskans can actually trust when they go into a ballot box and vote that it's going to count. Well, what else are people talking about out there on the campaign trail? Well, you know, they're nervous. I mentioned, you know, you mentioned fuel oil. Fuel oil is the big one. Energy, energy costs and just the, the cost of living in Alaska. Food, look what food has done in the last, uh, um, during this inflationary period. You know, uh, restaurants, you know, you go into a restaurant, I've talked with uh, Andy Kreiner did a, a, a fundraiser for me and, and he, his food costs have tripled tripled yet his his prices on his menu have not and so you know he's he's at break even point in most cases and and on most on most days and it's just it's just so hard it's so hard to run a business right now it's hard yeah. to know what the whole what do we do do we, you raise your prices and limit the number of customers that come to your your store and uh it's just hard medical 
medical care cost. You know, you look at the medical care, you look at the next, uh, are we staging ourselves for the next event? Are we, you talk about food shortage, you know, you got the uh, uh, you got the fisheries issues that are going on. Those are real important folks right now. You know, you've got on the peninsula, you've got dip net fishery taking place and it's, it's hot and heavy. And, you know, you see the line of cars coming from Anchorage and, and the traffic has been busy. We're seeing a lot, many more uh, large motorhomes, and I just can't help but think of, wow, look at the fuel bill in that. How can you afford it? I knew I had a motorhome, and I'm sitting there saying, I'm glad I sold it, because look at the fuel <laughs> cost to drive the things, man. It's huge. So just a variety of a real mix, but it's concern, and it's concern because there is, you know, when you look at the state, you look at what, what, what have we done if you look at where we've been the last four years and what have we accomplished and are we better off, a lot of folks are looking at that and saying, man, where's the results? Where's the results? What are we doing? What are we trying to do to make this place a better place to live and to attract new, new investment into the state? You know, what are we doing as an administration to create an opportunity to where others can invest? Well, until we have a fiscal policy and a tied down fiscal policy where we're not overspending, you know, and we're not spending three times our re revenue or one and a half times our revenue over, over and above. I mean, oil goes to 112. I watched it go into 112, 114, kind of creeped up, creeped up, creeped up. And look at the capital budget they threw out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just look at the budget. Just look at the spending budget. Yeah. And so what I'd say to Alaskans, if you want to talk about budgeting, you want to talk about uh, building yourself a huge, you've got a big old, you got a patched ship with a bunch of holes in it. And they're all patched. And two years from now, when oil goes back down to sixty dollars yep. a barrel, look, Alaska, we do this to ourselves. We should be saving all that money we're making right now. We should be putting it in the bank and not spending it, saving yep. it. We did that yep. at the borough at a smaller scale, right? On the front end of, of uh, when we took over as uh, as mayor, and John and I went in there. The first thing we did is a hiring freeze and a and a travel freeze, and we started saving money started trying to save some money. So we saved a little bit on the front end, never anticipating that we would have a COVID event, right? Well, when the COVID event came, we sat down on that February and we in the, in the conference room and we all looked at some of the directors and we said, we're ready for this. We're ready for this. We can respond, let's put a plan together. Mm -hmm. And so then we went into our budgets and we looked even deeper to try to cut and try to save and try to avoid spending. We were doing the avoid spending exercise. The state doesn't do that very often. You look at look at the state's budget right now. If you didn't have all the infusion of federal money and you didn't have the extra money we're making off of oil right now, we'd be in one big hurt. We'd be yeah. one big hurt in place. Your legislature would be going back into session or they probably wouldn't have left. They probably would have stayed into overdrive and had extra days. And they probably would have tried to come up with some tax policy is what I would say. Mm. To fill the void. And so in government, what, what I've always said is spend, 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 and then tax. At the local level, that seems to where and the local level is much easier to tax, put a tax on you than at the state level, but they spend, 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 and then they tax. They look at themselves and say, well, wait, we can't afford. We're outside of our window on, on the balance here, and we need to make some revenue. And when you talk about revenue, oftentimes when you talk about revenue, Many folks think, well, just tax. That's revenue. That's a source of revenue. Just tax. You're the taxing authority. You can tax us. You know, and some Alaskans say we don't pay any taxes. Well, I'd say you taking you taking my PFD is a tax. That's mm -hmm. what I'd say. 
I'm a dividend. I'm a shareholder. You're a shareholder. We're all equally shareholders. That judge that ruled that the um, legislature does the appropriations and he was correct. That judge was correct. That's what they do. But the judge should have also taken into consideration that's the same body that creates laws that should not be ignored. Exactly. And so when he said, yeah. it, when he said, yes, you appropriate, but what I would have said as a judge, I would have pointed over in the corner and said, you have a statutory formula that you created, that you approved, that was in, in line with the people, for the people of Alaska, and you're ignoring it, and you cannot ignore it. That and was I, such I a disaster. Say, yeah, and what I would have done as governor, as I would have appealed it, I would have appealed that ruling, I would have taken that to a higher court and said, look, you cannot ignore, and most judges do respect local governance and where they create law for local local communities. And they, as long as you're following your laws and you're following the bounds of your codes, the boundaries of your codes, judges usually rule with them as valleys and saying you're following your codes. You passed that code. That was a code and you passed it and you must follow it. The state must follow their laws too. And they're not. So, so John, John, before we before we have to close up for the half hour that we've got, what you have any other questions for um, for our friend Charlie Pierce? Yeah, so Mayor Pierce, um, let's. There's going to be somebody on here that's listening to you for the first time, you know. And what would you tell that person you stand for? They're going to listen to this podcast. They're going to hear about you for the first time, and they're going to go tell their friends, "Hey, I just listened to this guy, Mayor Pierce. He sounds he sounds awesome." What would you tell them that you stand for if if you were to be our future governor? Well, I, th I think that, that one of the things I try to do and I try to carry out daily is making sure that the people that work for me are successful. And, uh, you know, I have a large family. I have 11 grandkids, five boys. And each of those boys, I worry about whether they're going to thrive and be successful and be able to take care of themselves. And so I think as a parent, one of the things I think we need to do as Alaskans is focus on parenting and parenting well with our children because it starts in the home. And so what am I about? And well, I'd say that I'm, I'm a very grounded individual and I care about, I care about people. I care about uh, my family. I, I, I care about my friends and I care about outcomes. And, and I truly believe that um, through encouragement and through positive reinforcement, we'll all do better. We can all do better. And I truly want better for Alaska too. I want, I think Alaska has been, Alaskans have been standing by and watching their state just kind of, you know, limp along and you don't see any new major investment into our state because we don't have a fiscal policy. And, and from year to year, we don't really know what the, the tax policy is going to be on our, one of our major industries, the oil industry. And so it's a, it's just a question. There's a lot of uncertainty that people see from Alaska and what I want, I'm an individual that likes to create certainty and has predictability and, and some promise in the, in the mix as well so that we can have, uh, we, we know that where we're at, we know which way the train's going and we know that we can predict how with, with some level of high probability that we're actually gonna produce good. We're gonna have better results at the end of the day. And I guess that's where I'm at. I, I just wanna make it better. I wanna produce some results. I think it's time. Alaska needs to get up and thrive. Yeah, you are right. Alaska, that, there's your key takeaway, folks. Alaska needs to get up and thrive. 
And like the, they do on the Kenai, Kenai is uh, an example of a place where, you know, not everything's perfect. Of course, you've got crime, you've got drug problems, you've got um, the same kinds of problems that all of humanity has, which is, uh, you know, we're fallen, we're fallen people. So, um, but, you know, it's amazing how functioning you've got that borough. And uh, it is such a much better example of what we want America to be than almost any other place in the state. And so uh, that is, I think, a credit to you, a credit to your leadership, because you know a lot of these uh, cities and communities are coming out of this COVID economy in really poor shape. And you guys are coming out in really strong shape. So I, I congratulate you for that. And I thank you so much for being on our show today. Thank you. Boy, That's that right. was the fastest dang half hour ever. Yes, I want to yeah. thank um, you. I want to thank Shoshana Gungerstein for US Senate for sponsoring the Must Read Alaska show. Thank you, Shoshana. Check out her campaign at www.gungerstein.com. Gungerstein is G-U-N-G-U-R-S-T-E-I-N.com. And she talks about her campaign as an independent, nonpartisan candidate for Senate. And if you'd like to support the conservative side of the news, well, it, the donate button's on the right-hand side of mustreadalaska.com. We really appreciate all the donations that come in. Really helps us keep the lights on here. And John, you're going to have the show uh, tomorrow or uh, or Wednesday. What, do, what are you doing this week? So uh, later today, I have uh, Dave Donley on, uh, the Anchorage School Board member, the only conservative Anchorage School Board member. Uh, and uh, he's going to be talking about what it looks like to be a conservative on a on a uh, biggest school board here in Alaska. So that'll be exciting at 4.30 today. That is fantastic. And, and Dave Donnelly is, uh, he's a true warrior. He's out there fighting the good fight every day against a, a really, really socialistic, uh, crazy, woke uh, Anchorage school board, which I, I don't even know how anybody can put their kids in these public schools up here in Anchorage. It's so crazy. So until next time, everybody, um, we're signing off from somewhere in Alaska. Bye-bye now. Take care.